The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the very best fantasy football rankers in the world. In this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our Week 5 rankings, which you can find in our fantasy tool at the Action Network. We're discussing the guys we're high and low on, including daily fantasy values, fades, and tournament plays. For more on DFS, check out our Fantasy Labs models. And as always, we're speculating on some player props. And joining us in his return to the show is Drew Dinkmeyer of Establish the Run, where he heads up NBA, and of course, he hosts the Establish the Million show with Mike Leone. Drew, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. It's been a good start to the uh, NFL DFS season for me, and I'm very happy to be here with you guys today. Well, good for you, Drew. It hasn't been so good for some of us on this side of the microphone. Just uh, just have to say, Tyler Lockett and Cash didn't really work out for me last week. But, uh, you know, we we move on. We, we move on. And uh, speaking of moving on, everyone can participate in the best DFS contest in the world. I'm talking about the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. It's a custom tournament on Yahoo exclusively for our listeners. It is free. You can join by clicking on the link in the show description. The top 10 finishers each week will get over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes and the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they will compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week you can click on the link in the episode description to join. All right, guys, let's get into the show and let's start at the quarterback position. Drew, right now, the guys at the top of our rankings, and we're recording this on Tuesday, so obviously things can change as we witnessed last week. But right now, the guys at the top of our rankings, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. How do you feel about that top three? Is there anyone that you would push in there ahead of one of those guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a great top three. I would expand it out to a top four and say that the four guys that, that I, I would uh, add to that list is Lamar Jackson. At some point, Baltimore's got to start running plays like they did last year. Uh, they've just been playing slow kind of early in the season. I think it's a combination of some non-competitive games and then just couldn't get drives uh, going in that game against Kansas City. So I think once that regresses to the mean, you'll see Lamar Jackson. And typically, you know, if you look at generally quarterback scoring uh, correlates really highly with in, in team implied totals and Baltimore's got a 32.25 implied total here. I, I think it's a, a great bounce back spot for him. I think in DFS, he probably will go a little bit under the radar compared to some of these other guys as well, just in terms of ownership, because it has been a disappointing ceiling start to the season for Lamar. And I'd actually argue that, you know, Lamar, while he might not have like a median projection at, at one there, I might take him for ceiling as, as the number one guy this week. Yeah, Drew, to your point, he actually has the top ceiling projection uh, in our Fantasy Labs models, even though he doesn't have the highest median projection that belongs to Dak. Uh, and, and to your point about pace of play or number of plays per game last year, uh, including playoffs, the Ravens ran 68 offensive plays per game. This year, that number is 58, which is just a massive difference. And you have to think that at some point you start to see uh, some movement uh, in the number of plays per game. Uh Outside of Lamar, is there anyone else that you are particularly high on for this week relative to salaries or relative to what you think will be the general consensus in rankings? Well, I really want to see, you know, from a DFS perspective where the ownership comes in on someone like Daniel Jones, because I think everybody's going to want to attack Dallas as much as possible after what we've seen this first three weeks. It's basically just been stack the Dallas game in print. 
And so I think Daniel Jones is going to be uh, very popular, depending on how popular is kind of where I, I'm going to fall on the side of the ledger for tournaments. But I think Daniel Jones has had a brutal schedule to start the season. Uh, things should ease up. And from a DFS perspective, the target should be condensed with Slayton and Ingram, given the injuries to, to Shepard and, and Tate just being kind of perpetually banged up. Um, so I think he's interesting, but I, I do think a, a pivot will be, whoever the heck starts at quarterback for San Francisco. Um, I think that the matchup with Miami is a favorable one. And I think there will be very low ownership on whoever it is, whether it's CJ Beathard or, or Nick Mullins uh, this week. I think there might be some opportunity there in DFS. And Drew, to your point, uh, Garoppolo is, I, I'm assuming he's going to start, although that's not a, a safe assumption totally yet. But uh, right now he's the guy I have plugged in and I have him projected uh, just outside the top 10. And a lot of it has to do with that glorious matchup he has going against Miami, which was, uh, I believe, number 32 in PFF coverage grade last year. Again, number 32 in the young season this year. So a very exploitable matchup. Sean, who is someone or a couple players you are relatively high on? So for the high-end QBs, uh, I like Dak at 7,400. I think it's really hard to pass them up, especially – you know how poorly this Cowboys defense is playing. It's, you know, it's forcing him to continue throwing the ball. Although the, the Giants, they, you know, the Cowboys should have a lead in this game, so we might see them run it a bit more. I think the smart play here is if you play Dak in tournaments, you know, obviously he has a ton of stacking partners, but you have to send it back with a Darius Slayton or Evan Ingram because the Giants really do have to keep up uh, with the Cowboys offense for, for Dak to hit his ceiling. So I love him this week. And then Teddy Bridgewater is probably my favorite play this week. Um, he's 5,900, um, and he's facing the Falcons, um, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites. We all know when the Falcons get a lead, uh, they love to give it up. So I think this could be a shootout. Um, and, you know, if he, he has Mike Davis. You know, they're using him. Uh, Dump-offs to Mike Davis is basically an extension of the run game. Um, DJ Moore should bounce back this week. And Robbie Anderson is playing at a super high level. I think he's a great matchup this week against the Falcons. Uh, I think Ian Thomas could have a big game. So Bridgewater just has a ton of weapons. I love his floor ceiling combo. And we're starting to see his rushing ability that he had pre the 2016 uh, gruesome injury. He looked really good on his uh, 18-yard run last week. So hopefully he has his confidence back. Um, and he's, you know, potentially becoming more of a dual threat QB than we even anticipated. So uh, I think that boost is ceiling even more. So he's my QB nine as of right now. Like, I, like you said, it's early in the week, but right now he's a top 10 QB in my initial projections. Sean, I can tell how excited you are about him based on the <laughs> chair swivel yes, that, yes. Uh, that you have Sad going up. on over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a 10-star squeaky chair player right there. Yeah, a lot of swiveling action going on for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Raybon, it looks like you are also relatively high on Dak and Daniel Jones. Uh, talk to me about those guys. Yeah, I think that game, you know, didn't hit on it. It's, you know, the Cowboys have struggled to play defense this year. That's something that really hasn't been an issue for them. I wrote a piece on actionnetwork.com talking about, you know, Dak has actually always had a defense. A defense has been between uh, fifth and 13th in points allowed. And now they're uh, at the bottom of the league. So I think that Dak as the fourth highest quarterback, um, that's a steal on DraftKings. And then Daniel Jones at 5,400, uh, he's in my top 10 right now. It is early in the week. I may have to, you know, turn up his turnover projections or something. But uh, uh, right now he's a top 10 quarterback for me. And I think you look at his rushing, you know, ability, and that's something that you always are going to need uh, to compete these days in DFS. Sean hit on it with Teddy, another guy I love. But you can't, you know, as Davis Maddox said last week, you can't show up with like a, a Philip Rivers or, or somebody like that. Uh, so uh, I like Daniel Jones who's averaging 34 rushing yards a game. He has two touchdowns and five picks. That will regress. He faced four pretty uh, tough defenses, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, the Rams last week, both of those guys in that game, uh, and Teddy. Those are, you know, as everyone said, those are really the guys I'm looking at. Okay, I can't be rational about this because I'm a Cowboys fan. So I, for me, this this cuts in multiple directions. The biggest mistake of not my life, but at least last week, was uh, not going with Dak and Cash when it was like strong consideration for me. I, I really thought about it. I went with Josh Allen against uh, the, the better judgment. Anyway, uh, I feel like now I'm maybe compensating for that because I feel like Dak, for me, is, is just a, a clear number one on this slate. Uh, but I'm also looking at the other quarterback in this matchup and Daniel Jones and thinking that like this guy is now shackled to Jason Garrett 
I do not want that guy in my cash game lineup. Maybe I'm just being too biased on this, but I think this Cowboys defense is bad. We'll just say that. Like, not a, a big statement there. I think it's bad, but maybe it's not quite as bad as everyone assumes it is. They played the Rams, the Falcons, the Seahawks. Those are all three really good defenses. Uh, and then, I mean, whatever, Cleveland, I, I mean, sorry, three three good offenses. And then Cleveland, uh, you know, whatever. Stefanski's a good play caller. I'm thinking that this defense going against Jason Garrett and his crusty offense, who knows this offense better than the defense that practiced against it for almost a decade. I, I'm not envisioning a scenario where the Giants offense that hasn't been able to do anything is suddenly able to do something just because Jason Garrett has returned and he's in Texas and he's going against a defense that sucks. Like his offense also sucks. So I'm just not as optimistic about Daniel Jones and I'm probably going to be wrong. And I'm already anticipating that I'm going to have to bump up his uh, projections and my models. And it pains me to do that, but I just, I, I want to hate on Daniel Jones and the entirety of this Giants offense in this matchup. You know, you know what's going to happen, right, Friedman? Jason Garrett's going to give uh, the Giants defensive coordinator all the intel, and Daniel Jones is going to outscore Dak. Bam! <laughs> it could happen, and it would, it would, break, it would break me. <laughs> I hope not, because I have Dak number one as well. I'm, I'm with you on Dak, but I mean, like, here's what I'm thinking. Like, if Dak has a big game, and we all think he will, uh, that's going to kind of force Daniel Jones to have a big game and vice versa. I mean, what part of the reason Dak's had such huge games is because he's not just played, you know, he's played good offenses on the other side. His defense has been bad or the offenses have been good at whatever you want to say, but game script has a lot to do with Dak Prescott's production this season. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly does. And what that probably means is that I should adjust Dak down because, <laughs> because I don't want to adjust the giants offense up. That's that's <sighs> what I'm I'm taking out of all of this is that uh, I'm just I'm down on that that Giants offense no matter what. Uh, Drew, who is a quarterback that you are down on heading into the week? It's been so such commonplace the last few years to pick on uh, the Washington football team in terms of a matchup space situation, but their pass rush has improved quite a bit. I know they had some injuries that have limited them um, last week and and a really tough matchup against Lamar. But I think what we've seen from the play calling from Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams so far is that they'd really prefer to, to be a little bit more run oriented and really set up the play action. And they're going to lean on the pass game in games where they're forced to. And I just don't think this is going to be a situation where they're forced to. So Jared Goff at 6,500 looks really overpriced to me on this slate. Um, and is a player that, you know, typically we just look and we'd see Washington football team and okay, that's a good matchup and let's start uh, finding places to attack. And I'm having a hard, harder time doing that this week with the Rams. Raybon, I think you are in line with Drew on that analysis. Absolutely. I mean, Jared Goff, first of all, he's another one of these pocket quarterbacks. He's not really giving you anything on the ground. And so uh, already you shouldn't have him priced up there at 6,500. But yeah, I, I, the same thing. He always He's coming in with one of the lowest uh, attempts projected for the week. Um, I have him around 32 attempts. And that's just because, you know, I expect him to be efficient, but they're a, a nine and a half point favorite on the road. Sean McVay has been running. Cam Akers may be back. So he may have three backs to, to go to. As Dink said, it's just not from a play calling perspective, an optimal spot. And he doesn't set up to be really an optimal game script spot either. So now you're just, you're hoping that kind of the touchdowns go his way, which is, it's tough because he's not giving you a rushing floor where, okay, if the team scores a rushing touchdown, there's a decent shot that he may get it. So yeah, I'm with, I'm with Dink on Goff. Sean, who is someone you were relatively low on? I think Mahomes at uh, 7,700. Uh, I mean, he's a really high four play. I think, you know, he's probably a lock for two or three touchdowns. Probably, you know, somewhere between 280, 300 yards. But I think his ceiling is capped in these games where, you know, the Chiefs are 12-point favorites again. And they've they've shown that they're willing to take their foot off the gas in blowouts, um, tending to lean on the run game a bit more. Uh, their, their 53% pass rate with the lead is 13th in the league. Uh, typically not what we expect from this Chiefs offense. Uh, it's probably, you know, due to having a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, they trust him a bit more than, you know, Damian Williams last year. But either way, it's just kneecapping his ceiling a bit. So as we talked about, I think Lamar Jackson has a much higher ceiling and is a couple hundred dollars uh, more expensive. So, it, you know, if you're going for a GPP lineup, uh, I would go with Lamar in that price range. But, you know, there's so many good uh, high 
for QBs right now that Mahomes just he doesn't feel like he's uh, warranted a $7,700 price tag. So even though I, I do love this matchup against the Raiders, I just think they've been a little bit more conservative with leads this year. So I'm fading him this week. Okay. When was the last time that we had a quarterback everyone acknowledged was top five in the league? His, his team is undefeated. He just won the Super Bowl, won the MVP in the Super Bowl, and he was an MVP the year before that. And yet he is generating zero MVP talk this year. Yeah. That's, that's kind of fascinating that that's the situation we're in with Mahomes, where it feels like so many things are going right for him. And yet you can just sort of look, look at the landscape and say like, you know what, not having the best season, but yet like everything still seems to be going in the right direction. It's, it's a really weird situation with Mahomes and that Chiefs offense this year. Uh, Sean, give us the player prop for the quarterback position. Uh, I'm, I'm going with the impossibly here. Uh, we're we're going to try to guess how many passing yards Dak will throw for this week. Um, after three straight 450-yard games, it's, it's hard to see sportsbooks keeping this number um, at bay. I'm going with Oh God! Uh, I'm going with 345 and a half passing yards as the, the initial line this week. I have under. I have 315, which is like the highest I've ever right. projected a quarterback. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the model here. You know, I get it. it. But again, it's been it's been a ton of game script. And Friedman's right. I mean, the Giants' offense may not show up. That could definitely you know pull him down. And look at what the Rams and Giants kind of played to last week. 17 to nine. Uh, you know, Goff was efficient, but yeah, I'm going I'm going under. So with Dak, I'm actually going to go under here. I had the number pegged somewhat close to Chris. I, I was thinking kind of 320s-ish for Dak, so I'll take under 345 and a half. And the thing about Dallas that's going to be interesting this week from a DFS perspective is, you know, the first few weeks of the season, it's been stack Dallas, stack their opponent, and just print. And it's worked so frequently and consistently that I think the ownership is probably going to come there this week. And I think this week could set up a little bit differently. One of the things that Dallas has consistently had in the first four weeks of the season is they've been playing behind and they've been playing from behind by multiple scores in the second half. And it's really accelerated their offense and their fantasy production. So much of the Dak production came in the second half against both Atlanta and Cleveland. So this is a spot where I don't know the Giants can kind of hang uh, those types of points and, and make Dak play from behind. So I think it might be, you know, the first few weeks for me was was fade Zeke and stack Dak. And, and this week it might go the opposite, especially if DFS ownership kind of moves in that direction. All right. The Dallas offense has uh, not only broken my internet, it's also broken my models. Uh, and so I just, I have a number that's really high. I know it's not accurate. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, I've, what is like, it? <laughs> I can't, I can't People, say. You got to say. I'm going to look at our sheet. I'm going to look at our tell sheet. Me, do, please tell me, does it start with a four? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with a five. No, it's a one. <laughs> hey, that's like the median. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I haven't projected for 382, and I saw that and I was like, that's too high. Like, you know, I know I'm going to have to change that. I will take the over and stick with my number here, but I know that's not like the sharp side on this at all. But you know, hey, what else is new? Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Uh, let's talk about running backs. Uh, Drew, the guys at the top of our running back rankings right now, we have Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think much of a surprise there. And then we have Kareem Hunt third, and that is solely because I have him ranked number one <laughs> to, to juice our rankings and put uh, Kareem Hunt in the top three. How do you see the top three shaking down? Yeah, I, I think Kareem Hunt certainly has that ceiling. And the question mark for me would have been, you know, what what was going on with Cleveland's running back usage last week once Chubb went down. I mean, we saw Dearness Johnson. It just wasn't the Kareem Hunt show, which is kind of what I thought it would be. You know, with Stefanski, you've seen that in the past where he's like leaned really heavily on one, but didn't last week. Um, I would say my, my third guy right now would probably be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Dalvin Cook. Cook's just getting so much of the, so much of the usage and uh, a ton of work. Um, both in the passing game, but but in terms of scoring position, they're just funneling the ball and the opportunities to him. 
Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, is really interesting in the in the sense that we've seen the passing game usage really waver from week to week with him, but he's clearly very adept at that role. He's clearly supplanted uh, Daryl Williams in terms of snap share. The week one thing where Daryl Williams was the third down back and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the the pound that it between the tackles thing was one of the strangest things of, of the fantasy football season. And I think the matchup with Vegas is a pretty good one. We saw Devin Singletary, who I don't think is as talented as back as Hilaire, be effective both in the running and the passing game there huge team total for Casey Sean alluded to them being able to play a little bit slower when they're playing from ahead um, so I think I would go Clyde Edwards Elaire as as my number three back behind Zeke and Kamara which is a tier to themselves all right Drew who is someone or a couple players at the running back position you are relatively high on entering the week so I think so Kareem Hunt is definitely one of them just because I think the ceiling is so elevated with Kareem Hunt because he's got the talent of a, of a legit RB1 we saw that back in the Kansas City days um, but I am like mildly questionable on on the workload. The other guy I, I'm interested in is, and I feel like it's a very similar play to last week, which was the GPP winner in Joe Mixon, is David Johnson. Same matchup against Jacksonville. Price tag's a little bit cheaper. You've got a coaching change, which I don't know how that'll shake things up. Um, if anything, you've got to assume that nobody has more confidence in David Johnson than Bill O'Brien based on his uh, his trade analysis. So there's there's a little bit of a concern there, but 5,200, huge total. I think David Johnson is in a really, really good spot this week. He's been involved in the passing game. Jacksonville hasn't really been able to stop the run. We've seen running backs tear them up kind of throughout the course of the season. I, I think it's a good spot for David Johnson this week. And even uh, the inability that Jacksonville has to stop the run that extended into last year too especially in the second half of the season you just saw that run defense torn up repeatedly so uh yeah you can certainly see how it happens Sean who are you relatively high on I am right in line with Dink on the David Johnson call um you know I loved him last week and he actually like to a T hit my projections but he failed to score um, and that was a, another trailing game script. So I think this week, I think there's six, six and a half point favorites against the Jaguars. I think we will see uh, a similar game from David Johnson um, and potentially a touchdown this time. Um, the, the one concern is that, you know, Duke Johnson definitely cut into his pass game usage. So when, when it comes to trailing game scripts, I think I'll be off David Johnson. But like I said, th- this should be a positive game script. He's way too cheap at 5,200. Um, so I love him again this week. Um, and then, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, at 6,800 is, you know, a uh, smash spot for me. Um, you know, a, a Patrick Mahomes fade wouldn't be complete without a leverage, uh, you know, play with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So you got to go with them. They're favored by 12. Um, well, I've already talked about how they, they have been more willing to run the ball win ahead. So I think we'll see that this week. And there's some positive touchdown regression coming. You know, he hasn't scored a touchdown three games. And when you're seeing 20-plus touches in this Chiefs offense, the touchdowns will come. So I think, you know, he has a good chance of scoring a touchdown, maybe multiple this week. Um, and it's worth pointing out that Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook uh, are not on the main slate. So, again, this gives them even more leverage against the field. You know, when you're arguing with, like, guys like Mike Davis being in the top four, um, you know, it's a weaker running back slate. So, you know, this is a spot where just I'm going to have obscene amounts of Clyde edwards Lair. Um, and I, I don't really care if he's over-owned or not. Just you, you have to have him in your life this week. Raymond, who are you looking at here? I mean, we got the the Damian Harris at 4,300 mm-hmm. after taking over uh, with Sony Michelle going on IR. Harris got 17 carries. And New England, whether Cam comes back or they start Jared Stidham, uh, they're playing against the Denver Broncos who have problems at quarterback as well. So this should be another run-heavy script. Uh, New England is still the favorite here. So uh, I think Damian Harris is is a steal if he can uh, approximate that usage at at, uh, at 4.3K. So I like him. Antonio Gibson uh, at 5K. Not the greatest matchup against the Rams, but uh, I continue to say that this is the time of year where uh, we need to buy rookies because, remember, there was no preseason. Now we're four weeks into the season. That was kind of like the preseason for a lot of these rookies. Uh, we're already starting to see Gibson uh, break out. He's had two straight games uh, of over 13 DraftKings points. So uh, I like Gibson at 5K. I think he's still too, too cheap. Love Clyde Edwards aware at 6.8. Uh, and, and Miles Gaskin's still too cheap as well at, at 4, 4.8K. Um, you know, San Francisco is a tough run defense, but Gaskin's running a ton of routes and, and he's still leading the team in, in carries each week. So uh, like him as well. 
So I mentioned earlier, uh, I have Kareem Hunt, number one, and a lot of that is going to be based on what we hear uh, about his health, uh, whether he's on the injury report this upcoming week. If he's healthy, uh, then I, you know, probably going to keep him there. Uh, if we get reports of him being limited in practice or, you know, missing Wednesday practice, uh, then I'm going to adjust his usage down. Uh, but as of now, I'm assuming that uh, we saw so much run for Dearness Johnson in part because Hunt entered week four pretty banged up. Yeah. Uh, and so they just didn't want to overuse him in a situation where they were leading for much of the game. Uh, and so I think this week we're going to see uh, much more of the Kansas City version of Kareem Hunt. Uh, but of course, it will just be dependent on what we get uh, in the practice reports. And then I'm also high on Ronald Jones. Uh, and this is under the assumption that Leonard Fournette does not play in week five. Uh, LaShawn McCoy also out. Uh, just a situation where there really is, I mean, Kenyon Barner also out, although he wasn't really even a factor in the backfield, but it just means that there's not someone else to step up and siphon away some opportunities. So assuming that Ronald Jones really is the guy at this point with only Keyshawn Vaughn behind him. Uh, I think there could be pretty significant workload opportunities for him this week. So uh, Ronald Jones is someone uh, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on. Uh, Drew, who are you relatively down on? You know, I think for this week, um, I, I've been a supporter of James Conner kind of throughout the, the offseason in terms of redraft ADP. And then I liked him as, as a really nice leverage play back in week three when he was priced kind of around a bunch of running backs that were going to suck up a bunch of ownership. You know, this game against Philadelphia, I think, is going to be a little bit of a slog uh, offensively for Pittsburgh. I, I think they will play from ahead just because their defense should be able to kind of control the game against Philadelphia's really banged up offensive line. But I think what we've seen from, from James Conner is, yes, he's had opportunities where he's looked like that kind of bell cow back, but it hasn't been consistent game over game. And at 6,900, when all these other great backs who have been kind of consistent – bell cow backs and Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and Clyde edwards Lair, I, I even James Robinson, who's priced a little bit below him. I just don't think James Conner kind of fits in, in, in the mix for me this week. Sean, who are you low on? I'm pretty low on Miles Sanders uh, this week. Uh, they're at Pittsburgh, so that's a brutal matchup. I've had Sanders in my top five, top 10 the past two weeks, but you know he's down to my RB20 uh, in this spot. I really don't like it. They've had some offensive line issues. And, you know, scared the crap out of me when Lane Johnson went down in game. Luckily, he was able to come back. But if if he's on the injury report or misses, I mean, the, the Eagles offense is going to be a full fade for me. Uh, but he's way too expensive at, at 6,500. There's much better options out there. Um, so I will have very little to none Miles Sanders this week. Um, and the other guy is uh, Melvin Gordon, who I was, I was pretty high on last week. This week at New England, the, the Broncos should be about 10-point uh, underdogs or so. You know, negative game scripts aren't going to favor Melvin Gordon because he hasn't really been involved in the passing game much. And Philip Lindsay is returning, so I think that's going to kneecap both his floor and ceiling. Um, I could see people just chasing his good game last week. Um, and, you know, at 6400 he is way overpriced especially when you consider guys like Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs are cheaper. So I, again, I will have almost no shares of Melvin Gordon uh, this week. Uh, worth noting in my rankings, I wasn't under the impression that uh, Philip Lindsay is coming back. I will make that adjustment right after the show. Uh, Rayvon, who are you relatively low on? Kenyon Drake, just not getting it done. Week in, week out, he's getting work decent workloads and he's really not doing anything with them. Um, but Chase Edmonds is really... Re um, kind of eating into his receiving usage. And even when Drake's been on the field, he hasn't been getting targeted uh, at the rate he usually does. So um, it's kind of concerning. I don't think this will be a big kind of pass catching game for the Cardinals backs just because they're seven point favorites against the Jets. But um, the Jets generally have a, a decent run defense. They gave, they give, they've given up some big plays, um, but, you know, down to down, it could be a little bit of a, a drag. So Drake is just a guy that uh, I'm off. Davis Maddock talked about it last week. He just doesn't look right. And um yeah, I'm not going back to that well. Yeah, he's not getting the targets, not getting the touchdowns uh, at that point. What, what's left? What, what is there really? One guy I'm low on, uh, Derrick Henry. You know, we just kind of have to wait and see what's going to happen with this Titans game. Uh, we've had... Uh, encouraging reports over the past couple of days about no uh, positive COVID test. So it looks like uh, as of now that this game will probably go, but uh, I'm just a little, 
a little hesitant, a little tentative uh, about the matchup, how good uh, the Titans will look uh, given the time away, the fact that they really haven't been able to practice in a normal manner. I'm just uh, a little a little pessimistic. So, I mean, Henry is still awesome, but uh, I'm just going to be bumping him down a little bit. Plus, the uh, return of Darrington Evans means that there's someone who's maybe a little more competent who might siphon away just a couple more touches per game, uh, especially targets. So uh, that would be something I would kind of uh, look to hold against Henry. Sean, give us the prop. We're going with uh, Kareem Hunt, total rushing and receiving yards. And something tells me I can't set this number too high for Friedman, but I'll try. (laughs) I'm going to go with 97 and a half yards. Over. <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm projecting as if he's going to to have usage that's really similar to kind of a combination of what we saw out of Dalvin Cook, you know, under Kevin Stefanski, and then also what we saw out of Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. That's it's a big assumption, and I'm going to be looking at the practice reports, you know, pretty keenly to see if there's uh, any evidence of him improving with his health, but assuming usage like that, I have to take the over. I will go under. I have him at 95, so I'm pretty close. Uh, I think that's a great line. But looking at this uh, Colts defense, this is uh, one of the tougher defenses in the league. They came into last week ranked number one in in DVOA. Um, They've given up the six fewest rushing yards to running backs, uh, 258, and then they've given up just 125 yards uh, receiving to running backs, which is also – um, in the top 12 in these four games. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's Cleveland is a, a, an underdog, even though they're at home and coming off that all those points and that win. So um, that kind of tells you that this could be a little bit of a struggle, even if Hunt does see a big workload. Yeah, I think this is a really good line, Sean. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on it, listening to uh, both sides of the argument here. And I think, I think I'm going to take – I'm going to lean over. My instinct was around like 105 and a half. So my instincts were a little bit higher. That is kind of assuming more of a substantial role than what we saw in the second half of last week. I also think in a, in a likely competitive game that they'll look to get the ball in the hands of, of their key playmakers and Hunt being one of them. So I'll lean over slightly, but it's definitely a, a concerning game environment just in terms of slow pace. Indy's, gonna, Indy's got a great offensive line and a great defensive line, and they just slow things down. They, we saw it in the game against Chicago last week against a pretty inept offense. I expect Cleveland to perform better but I think it'll just limit the number of total plays run, which is certainly a concern when you're taking the over, but I will lean with a slight over on this one. Yeah. I mean, he has, you know, a tougher matchup this week against Indy and then next week he gets the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, And then after that, he gets the Bengals and Raiders. So I'm really eyeing week seven and eight is probably when I'll be with Friedman having him like, you know, top two, (laughs) but I just, you know, especially with his health concerns, workload concerns, I think, I, you know, I have Cream Hunt in almost every season-long league. I'm not rooting against him, but I think for DFS purposes, if he struggles in these two games, it might be good for Week 7 and 8 when he should absolutely be, uh, you know, a free square play. Up next, we have wide receivers. But first, let's take a quick break to talk with Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, how's it going? Coming off a, a strong week, uh, hope to keep it going. And week five looks very interesting from a game theory perspective. How are you approaching cash games? Cash games, I think we're going to be targeting some of the, the high total games. As always, uh, this Cowboys-Giants game, I'm really interested from a, a cash game as well as tournament perspective, although I'll be looking for more pivots uh, in tournaments. And there's some clear-cut values uh, that just stand out uh, specifically on DraftKings. What about for GPPs? The GPPs, I will be going away from some of the absolute high totals in some of my builds, and then I'll also be making pivots within those higher total games to still get leverage on the field. Uh, There's some specific game stacks that we'll talk about here uh, that I think make a lot of sense. All right. Who are the quarterbacks who have caught your eye? So I think the first two quarterbacks are Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones in the same game. You know, I think Uh, If you're looking for savings, Jones hasn't been great, but they're still throwing a ton. And this Dallas team has just gotten destroyed uh, through the air. So like both those guys uh, in all formats. And then Deshaun Watson is near the top of every model that I'm making now as well. Like the max, uh, the matchup versus Jacksonville and with Will Fuller healthy, I think he's poised to have a really, really big game at some point. So those are kind of the guys I'm looking at in terms of cash uh, and just the highest equity plays in tournaments. Uh, still interested in Kyler Murray. 
Uh, I'm going to dig a little bit on Jared Stidham. Uh, and then, of course, Josh Allen, who's really expensive, uh, I think might not catch much ownership, and he has a really high ceiling any week he plays. Who are some of the running backs you want to invest in? So running back is a little trickier. Spending up, Zeke obviously stands out, and I think he might be a little lower owned than he normally would be off a bad game last week. I love CEH. Uh, that's a really high total game. Jacob's in that same game you can look at. And I think I'm going to be buying David Johnson against this Jaguars team. He's really cheap on DraftKings at 5,200. Uh, he's a player that I'm definitely uh, interested in at this point in time. Wide receivers, who do you like? So, again, that Dallas game, I love all the guys. Uh, I think, you know, if the big game, Amari is now a little more expensive, so he might be a pay-up to be contrarian. CeeDee Lamb's going to catch ownership. I want to play Gallup for sure in tournaments. Uh, Darius Slayton, I think, has a ton of upside. He might be popular, um, but I like him in a lot of formats. Uh, and then off that game, Tamir Bird looked really good. He's still min-priced. Uh, I think there's some really big upside uh, with him, uh, a good throw from Stidham uh, against the Chiefs. He would have had a really big game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, if he's healthy, I think makes sense versus the Jets. Uh, you know, Brandon Cooks burned everyone last week. He's only 4,100. Was on the field a lot, only drew three targets, but, you know, maybe some flop lag there with Brandon Cooks. Uh, so I'm looking at him as well. And finally, tight ends. Who do you like? Yeah, tight end. I mean, you got the top, the guys at the top that are all in play. Uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. Kelsey and Waller versus each other, I think, is an interesting combo to play in a tournament team. George Kittle coming off just a monster game. The NFL is better with uh, George Kittle playing. If I'm going to save money, I think Jonu Smith is interesting against Buffalo. Uh, he's going to be heavily involved for a while. I know it's a tougher matchup, but I think he's interesting. Evan Ingram might be my favorite kind of value play. I just love that game. Evan Ingram's still a really talented player. And then if I'm really going to punt, I'll look at these Houston guys. Uh, we'll see. Aikens, I know, had the concussion. We'll see what happens if he's able to play. Uh, if he's able to play, I like him. And if he's not, Darren Fells uh, becomes a value play. You mentioned some game stacks that you have in mind. What are some under-the-radar games that you're looking at? Yeah, so I think the, the popular games are going to be the Chiefs, Cowboys, I'm sorry, the Chiefs and Raiders, and then the Cowboys and Giants. So those two games, you have to make pivots if you're going to you're going to play that game. The game that I think will be somewhat owned, and Watson might be really popular, so maybe go the other side, but really like this Houston-Jacksonville game. I know it's one of the high totals on the board. I love Shark, love Will Fuller. I think Brandon Cooks is in a bounce-back spot. I know you were on Keelan Cole last week. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that game, and I think it might be lower owned than those other two games, which uh, are kind of in the same total area. I like the Ravens-Bengals game a little bit. Lamar Jackson was shockingly under-owned last week. I, I, I really like going back to him, and I think Tyler Boyd running it back is interesting. Uh, and then Carolina-Atlanta, you know, Matt Ryan and the Falcons just looked bad on Monday night. Julio got injured, so that could open up some value. And uh, I'm interested in some of these Carolina Gate guys. I think DJ Moore is going to have a really big game at some point. We're all waiting for that. Uh, so there's some pieces there that I think make that game really interesting. All right, Pete, thanks for dropping in. Thanks so much, Friedman. All right, that was Peter Jennings. Let's move along to wide receivers. The three guys at the top of our rankings, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins, and Calvin Ridley. Uh, I've juiced the Ridley ranking by uh, putting him all the way at number one. But this is, again, like Kareem Hunt, extremely tentative, uh, assuming that Julio Jones does not play and uh, assuming that Ridley enters the game at something pretty close to, uh, to full health. So I will be looking at the practice reports, and I anticipate that uh, if he is out on Wednesday, that I will bump down uh, his projected usage, which would bump him down the rankings. But right now we have Lockett, Hopkins, and Ridley. Drew, uh, give us a sense of your top three. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Hopkins and then a gap right now. And obviously I think Ridley can enter that that next tier, which I think is a big tier. Like I think there's a lot of guys that, that could include in, in, in that range. Um, I think in terms of like consistency and volume and, and workload of those guys, I think Adam Thielen – and Tyler Lockett are probably the guys. I know Lockett's coming off of a really down game. It's really, really frustrating. But I think those guys probably edge out slightly Tyreek Hill and Amari Cooper unless Dak's thrown 50 times again um, in, in DK Metcalf. And I think that, you know, we'll see if Michael Thomas comes back as well. But I think that's like a big kind of second tier behind Nuke. Um, and, I, and I think all those guys are great plays. I'll just highlight Thielen with, you know, Kirk Cousins, obviously there's, 
there's a, there's enough to be concerned about with Kirk Cousins offensively, but one of the things is he just really hones in on a few t- targets. We saw this basically with with Diggs and Thielen. Now it's Thielen and Jefferson. Uh, the Seattle secondary has been uh, a struggle kind of all, all season long, even though they held Fitzpatrick out of the passing end zone last week. Uh, Devontae Parker still had plenty of good looks against them. Their receivers open. There were just some missed opportunities. So I think Adam Thielen is, is, is going to be a, a strong target on that showdown slate. Um, on the main slate of, of those guys, because we lose a lot of them, right? We lose Thielen, we lose Lockett, we lose Metcalf. Um, on the main slate, I think the guy that, you know, for for his price uh, will probably catch the most attention from me that is probably outside that tier, but I'm such a homer that I kind of want to put him into that tier is DJ Moore. And I just, I'm, I'm so, t- I'm so like, I don't even know what to do with DJ Moore at this point. So I, I'll just toss it to you guys to like, please, please help, help talk me through my DJ Moore and all the third round exposure I have in best balls. Well, it just so happens that Moore is the guy I am really down on this week. So oh, congratulations. Boy. Congratulations, <laughs> Dink. I, I just clinched it for you. Uh, if, if my past performance is any indication. But uh, one of the things that I think is especially discouraging about DJ Moore is that his usage has really trended down yeah. uh, over the, the past month. And I would say in general, you know, you want to rely on what happened last year uh, and you want to take the, the largest sample that you can. And so I would want to look at what's happened over the, the past month. And, you know, he's getting the air yards on a, you know, per game basis. His yardage total isn't all that far off what it was last year, but the fact that his targets especially just like market share has gone down pretty steadily since the season started. It it seems like they brought Robbie, Robbie Anderson in to be DJ Moore and turn DJ Moore into Robbie Anderson. And they're just like, and I'm just like infuriated at this, at at this situation. And I think it might be working better for them because Robbie Anderson was a pretty inefficient deep threat throughout much of his career. And like, he seems to be working kind of the intermediary very well, but from a fantasy and a dynasty perspective, it is just killing me because DJ Moore, I, I think, is one of the better wide receiver prospects we've had in a long time. And I do not want to see him just relegated to a, to a deep threat, which is what seems to be happening a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say on the, the positive front here, although it doesn't really uh, mean much for this week, but you know, over the longer scope of the season, it feels as if he's having a horrible season and he's still pacing for like around 1,150 yards. Like that's a really good, bad season. Uh, and I would say a lot couldn't have gone much worse for him. So when things start to go a little bit better, uh, he could explode. But uh, the fact that the, the usage has trended down is uh, is mighty discouraging. Drew, uh, your thoughts on someone else that you are relatively high on uh, entering the week? Yeah, so the other guy that I, I'd say I'm pretty high on is while I have concerns about the pace of, of the Dallas Giants game going a little bit slower, I have no concerns about kind of target volume and opportunity for Darius Slayton and price tag. I mean, he's 4,800 on DraftKings. I think that's one of the best plays on the entire slate. And especially whether you're, you're probably playing one side of the Dallas, whether you're playing Zeke or you're playing the passing game, the appropriate bring back is either Slayton or Ingram. Um, and I, I like Slayton a little bit better for consistency. So 4,800 for Darius Slayton is, is one of the guys I'm really in on this week. Probably no surprise. I'm also down on him, given that I, I hate this Giants, this Giants offense. Like, in theory, like, I, I understand it. I just, I can't go there. I, I cannot go there. Sean, who are you relatively high on? I'm high on DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson this week, especially at those prices. Um, you know, the Falcons defense will cure all wounds. I mean, they allowed <laughs> four touchdown passes to Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. That's all you need to know. But yeah, I mean, it's been frustrating. I've been uh, on DJ Moore the past couple weeks. I think it was after week two, I-, I said, all right, that's it. Usually I don't underestimate Robbie Anderson, but after week two, I stopped doing that. So I, I think he is here to stay. Um, and he's he's the reason why I do like Teddy Bridgewater a lot this week. So I think having uh, Bridgewater with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson stacks make a lot of sense this week. Um, and then the other two wide receivers I like from the same team um, that might be overlooked this week because they were off last week unexpectedly is uh, Corey Davis at 4,800 and Khalif Raymond at 3,200. Um, you know, Corey Davis has a pretty high floor in this game considering A.J. Brown and Adam Humphreys are expected to miss. We don't really know what the spread is for this game yet, but I'm anticipating the Titans to be right around six-point underdogs. So th- this is a game where they might be forced to throw a bit. Uh, they're down a, a few key players, especially on defense after the, the COVID 
um, spread on the team. So I think they're going to be a little more pass heavy here. Khalif Raymond, he's their main deep threat. And I, I expect him to be on the field around 70% of the time. Um, and his three catch 118 yard game is one re- removed. So I think, you know, a lot of people might've forgotten about it by now. Um, and he's 3,200. So he's, he's a cheap flyer with a ton of upside. So I like, you know, playing these guys strategically and GPPs where, you, you know, you get a lot of savings for these two players that I think we'll see a significant amount of targets uh, this week. Chris, who do you like? I mean, we got to start with Tyreek Hill because I think we're like, we're forgetting that he's, they're playing the Raiders. This is a, a bottom three uh, DVOA pass defense. His quarterback's Patrick Mahomes. So after that game against the Patriots, where he put up uh, another touchdown, you know, his four, every game he scored a touchdown, he has 15 or more DraftKings points in every single game. He came into the year as a consensus top four uh, wide receiver. So I think that's going to be my number two behind DeAndre this week. Um, he's not priced as the number two receiver on DraftKings. He's priced as the number uh, five. So I, I like Tyreek Hill a lot. You can get him under 7K. Um, so like it's, I think, you know, that's something to mention. Let's not forget about him, but, uh, love Justin Jefferson yet again in that Seattle game. It's not on the main slate, Robbie Anderson. I'm totally with Sean. Robbie's been extremely consistent. Five plus catches every week. T Higgins by rookies now 77 yards for Higgins. Um, he's right up there leading the Bengals in routes run for uh, the last two games. Darius Slayton totally agrees. Had some tough matchups. Uh, but 48K should lead the Giants in air yards in a game where uh, we know the Cowboys offense can put up some points one way or another. So um, those, are the, those are the guys, Hill, Anderson, Jefferson, Higgins, Slayton. Raybon, to your point about Hill, uh, he seemingly has a fantastic matchup going against LaMarcus Joyner, who uh, like I'm not sure on his status. I think he exited uh, week four a little bit early. And so uh, Joyner on his own was one of the worst slot cornerbacks in the league. I can only imagine uh, the backup behind him if Joyner can't go. It could end up being a fantastic situation for Hill. A lot like, how is he not our wide receiver too? Like, how is he just not the consensus wide receiver? Is it just because people haven't updated for the New England game yet? Like, Part of it is that his, what is it, his target share around like 22%. Like, he's not being targeted the way that, think of someone like Adam Thielen, who has like a 33% target share, or like what, what Keenan Allen is doing with like literally like a 39% target share uh, in the three games with Justin Herbert. It's just that as good as Tyreek Hill is, he's just not getting the target volume to overcome some of those guys ahead of him. Yeah, Tyreek's also been a model breaker for his whole career. I mean, median, median projections have just never done Tyreek Hill justice because he's been so unique in terms of his efficiency. All right. I mean, one guy I'm really bullish on is Amari Cooper. I felt like I had to over-adjust <laughs> him down just so I didn't have him number one. But oh, yeah, when you have Dak with 382, Amari's yeah. got to have, yeah. like, what, 250? <laughs> don't, don't, joke, don't joke with me. Yeah, and Dak projected for four touchdowns. Where do you have his touchdown projection at? I mean, how many points are the Cowboys going to score in this game? It's not like I can, uh, you know, go above the implied total here. But uh, no, I have him projected for. Uh, you actually want to know the touchdown number? Yeah, I'm projected for uh, two point two five. Oh, I'm right there with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Amari, he has twenty six percent of Cowboys uh, market share. I mean, the clear number one receiver in an offense that is, you know, the best in the league, playing faster than anyone, you know, very focused on the pass. I just, I I can't not think that this is a smash spot for Cooper, uh, who historically with the Cowboys has been at his best when favored and at home. And then now he's in the sweet spot of those two trends uh, and a a matchup that I think is pretty good. Uh, I mean, I just, I have to be pretty high on Cooper. So uh, for me, he's, he's in the top three, uh, even though we collectively don't have him ranked there. Uh, Drew, who are you low on? Well, I said I was low on Jared Goff in the Rams passing game. So that means I'm, you know, effectively low on Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who I think are, you know, really good players. I just think there's going to be volume concerns this week for these mid-six price tags and ceiling concerns when you compare them to some of the guys that are priced around them. Um, guys like Keenan Allen, which, uh, you know, Chris talked about his incredible target share. Um, guys like Tyler Lockett and Tyreek Hill, they're a little bit more expensive. So I, I'm low on them. And then the other guy that I'll mention, um, just because Chris mentioned T. Higgins, who I'm, I'm a big fan of as well, I'm low on A.J. Green. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the models are going to like A.J. Green for, you know, the air yards opportunities that he's missed out. But I think that that opportunity share is just going to continue to decline. 
Um, I think they've kind of missed their opportunity as, as a young team to move on from AJ Green and, and recoup some value from it. Um, I think they've been trying to get what they can, and I think uh, they're just going to turn the page and kind of get these younger receivers and start running things more through Higgins and Boy. Don, who are you low on? Um, I, I'm low on Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, this is the same exact take I had last week before the game got canceled. But there, you know, he's 6,700, and you know the thing with him, you, we always liked his target share and whatnot. But Deontay Johnson should be fine this week. He, he had a week off obviously, but guys like uh, Chase Claypool, who I think will only get better as the season goes on. Uh, James Washington is improving this year and Eric Ebron is stepping up. All of these guys stepping up at the same time and all being healthy is just going to, it's just going to make the distribution for this team more spread out, which is going to hurt Juju. And I think he's going to become more touchdown dependent. Um, And I don't think we can rely on him as that kind of guy. So just at 6,700, I'll be off him this week. Um, and then the other guy is Marquise Brown at 6,300. You know, they're at home against the Bengals. I, I'm just worried about his floor and ceiling in this spot. We've seen the Ravens almost revert back to their 2018 Lamar Jackson offense the past three games. Uh, he's averaged 164 passing yards. And, you know, this game against the Bengals, they should be able to run all over them. The Bengals are actually fourth in PFF's uh, coverage grade. Um, so they've been sneaky good against the pass. So I, I just... Don't expect Brown to have a true ceiling game here. Any, you know, in these blowout spots, his his floor is uh, pretty low compared to other receivers in this price range. So I'm just thinking other guys in this price range that have high ceilings, like a Brown, are Robbie Anderson, Terry McLaurin, and Devontae Parker. Parker, and I just rather have uh, them than Marquise Brown in this spot until we see Lamar really go back to his 2019 version. All right, Rayvon, I am looking in the outline and I see that you are relatively low on Terry McLaurin. And, man, does he have a matchup this week going against Jalen Ramsey? Now, uh, granted, McLaurin has looked great this year going against Darius Slay, Patrick Peterson, Denzel Ward, and uh, in, in spurts, Marcus Peters. So, you know, like maybe one of the hardest schedules of number one opposing cornerbacks that he could have gone against. But, I mean, it just amps up this week going against Jalen Ramsey. Uh, how do you see this playing out? I read your uh, wide receiver cornerback piece. Always a great early week read. And and you talked about it. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's been playing at another level. He's been playing with a chip on his shoulder. And remember, this is, you're still talking about Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. You know, could he even get benched perhaps? Like, it's just a situation where I do expect some regression eventually. So Terry McLaurin's had a great year. He's, killed some tough matchups, but Jalen Ramsey is probably, I think the only true number one corner, like real true shutdown corner. I think there is in this league right now. Um, and he's going to kind of take it personally that McLaurin has been putting up such, such good games. So I have McLaurin at uh, wide receiver 15. That's still decent, but um, I think in a normal matchup, I'd probably have him well inside the top 10. All right, Sean, give us the prop. We are going to go with the man of mystery himself, Robbie Anderson. We're going to have to address this head on. So his, his receiving yards, at Atlanta, the line I'm going to set for this is going to be um, 74 and a half yards. I would go over by 10 yards. Oh, okay. I mean, I know that's that's fishy, but uh, he's just – his market share has gone up each week as DJ Moore's has gone down. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope you're right. I'm going to have a ton of him. So this week, can you make on our show Sunday morning, can you make Robbie Anderson over your prop and have Chad – Make fun of her, make fun of you for it, and then he goes off for two hundred yards and three touchdowns. Can you please do that? If we could plan it, it wouldn't happen. It, it has to happen organically. Okay, all right, all right. I am going under. I feel like it's like weird. I'm always the conservative one in these player props for some reason, but uh, I have it at sixty nine point five right now. And um, the one thing, and Atlanta is decimated in the secondary. Uh, they just lost uh, KZ last night to an Achilles. So, you know, they're going to have problems, but they're, they're, I think teams are also going to look to attack them with the tight end a little more. We saw uh, Carolina use Ian Thomas against the Cardinals, another, um, you know, weaker team against tight end. So I think Anderson will have a great game and he, he's a top 20 receiver for me now, but um, I, I still have more at 78.5 and uh, Anderson at 69.5. So um, yeah, that's what I'm going with. I'm, I'm struggling with this because I feel like any support of Robbie Anderson is immediately an indictment on DJ Moore. And, you know, this has already been a tough podcast for my for my dynasty teams with <laughs> with the Juju hate, the Marquise Brown hate, the DJ Moore hate. Anyone who, like me, just drafts based on age of wide receivers in dynasty in their first like four or five rounds, it's been a tough start to the year for sure. I'm going to go over, though. I, I really do think Carolina's passing game really breaks out in this one. I think there's room for both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson to eat. 
Um, and so I'm going to go over that number. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's talk about the tight ends. I don't think any uh, big surprise here. Kittle, Waller, and Kelsey are the three guys at the top of our rankings. Uh, Drew, I'm just going to assume that those are the guys that you have in the top three. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, who is someone that you're relatively high on this week? No, those are definitely the top three guys and in by a decent margin. A uh, guy that I'm um, higher on probably than the market right now is going to be Hunter Henry. Um, I think the loss of Austin Eckler is really going to open up some of those short and intermediate targets that Hunter Henry can fill. And if you look at, I mean, it's not only just the loss of Austin Eckler, but they've also lost Mike Williams. The target share should really condense. And I know so far it's condensed heavily on Keenan Allen, but at some point I think teams are going to look to try to take Keenan Allen away with, with some unique coverage schemes. And I think that'll benefit Hunter Henry. He's still priced at 4,300. Um, so I, I think he's really, really interesting because I think it's going to be another one of those weeks where it's like, how cheap can I get at tight end versus do I play Kittle or Kelsey or Waller? And I think these guys in the middle, some will get overlooked in GPPs. Um, Hunter Henry is a, a pretty interesting one, one for me. Sean, who do you like? I'm going with Evan Ingram this week at 4,600 at Dallas. You know, we keep wondering if Daniel Jones will have a good game here. If he does, it's going to have to go through Evan Ingram. Who's, you know, he's run over 90% um, routes run per drop back in three of the, the four games so far last week being his high at 93%, you know, with Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley out, I think he's really going to be their most consistent weapon going forward. Um, and Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown in three straight games. So if that changes, you know, it can only help someone like Evan Ingram. So I, it's, if you have to imagine uh, Evan Ingram ceiling game, this would be the game and he's 4,600. So I'm willing to take that leap this week. Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown in three games. Sounds great. <laughs> Rayvon, who do you like at tight end this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with Ingram. Like, this is – it's all about routes for these tight ends. I mean, you're, you're only having so many uh, – like, there's three, four elite tight ends, and then everyone else, it's going to come down to routes. And, and Evan Ingram is right there at the top with those 90-plus uh, percent route run. Um, that's something that even guys like, you know, Kelsey, um, you know, doesn't always get up to in every game. So – uh, I think that's really valuable. And like a dart throw kind of cheaper guy I'll throw out there is Ian Thomas. Um, you know, he's run 70% of routes per dropback for the season. And um, we saw in a, in a matchup against the Cardinals, you know, he, he started to come alive, really hasn't been targeted that much. But you look at the Falcons and after those three touchdowns to Bobby Tanyan, uh, in the Monday night game, uh, this is the new Cardinals. Uh, they're the they're giving up the most fantasy points to tight ends. Uh, thirty three catches, three hundred thirty six yards, and seven touchdowns uh, to the tight end position in just four games. Uh, I'm willing to take some uh, some GPP flyers on Ian Thomas uh, in, in the Teddy Show, and, and there will be a lot of ownership on Robbie. I'm sure people will expect the DJ more bounce back. So and Mike Davis too. So I, I love getting Thomas as like that fourth highest owned guy in that offense. Okay. I am very high on uh, Johnny Smith uh, under the assumption that AJ Brown does not play hey, this week. Hey Friedman. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know what you guys have seen, but I'm seeing that he's expected back. Oh, he's expected to be back. That's yeah. To me. I, that's what I've been seeing all week. And I just checked it on Google now and I haven't seen anything like to the contrary. So mm. I'm tentatively putting him in as like, like 70% routes run or something, but Got it. just pointing that out. Okay. Well, I'm going to be a little more pessimistic on that, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe he comes back if he's not back or if he's back, but kind of limited. Uh, I'm very interested uh, in Johnu, uh, who has 23% market share uh, in the two games without AJ Brown. And then I should say Gronk, I'm kind of interested in. 
but it has more to do with obviously the absence of OJ Howard, the absence of Chris Godwin. I'm probably going to have to go back in and adjust Gronk down uh, in in the usage department. But uh, I mean, targets have to go somewhere and with no OJ Howard and no Chris Godwin. Uh, and then it's not as if Leonard Fournette was getting a lot of targets, but he's out. LaShawn McCoy is out. There, there are just so many guys out that targets have to flow somewhere and they can't all go to Mike Evans as much as I would like that. So uh, Gronk is someone I'm at least like toying with or like keeping an eye on. Uh, but, you know, who knows? He's he's Gronk. He's old. Uh, Drew, who are you low on? It feels it, it feels wrong to say this, but I just want so much George Kittle that I'm low on Travis Kelsey, and it's it's basically that like at this point, I you know I, I think what we saw from Kittle, fully healthy and unleashed on Sunday Night Football, is probably what we're going to see for the next few weeks with Debo Samuel still kind of working his way back and kind of increasing his snap share over time. Miami is is a pass defense you can attack aggressively, and because I think San Francisco is kind of so banged up offensively, uh, we'll you know we'll see what running backs they have available this week if if Mostert is is good to go this week or not. Um, I just think they're going to funnel more and more of that offense through Kittle, and so as a result of being so high on Kittle, I probably won't have very much Kelsey this week, and I'm going to be a lot lower on him than the field. I I totally see that, and uh, in the rankings, Raybon and I both have. Kittle ranked ahead of Kelsey. And it's not as if there's probably like a massive difference between the two, but um, I can, I can certainly see it. Uh, Sean, who are you low on? Well, last week, you know, I thought we might see Zach Ertz emerge as a top three tight end again with Dallas Goddard out. The top three wide receivers are all out and he still flopped with a four catch for nine yard game. Um, so, you know, this week at Pittsburgh at 5,700, I will have zero shares of Zach Ertz, and I stand by that. Um, and, you know, th- this is just a full fade for me at the Eagles offense at Pittsburgh in general. But it's just disappointing to see Ertz, you know, fall this fast, especially as somebody that has so many shares of Dallas Goddard in best ball leagues. Um, <laughs> it would be nice if he were healthy to compete with this. But, yeah, Zach Ertz looks like a shell of his former self right now, and I'm not buying it right now. Um, somebody that was pretty high on him last week. I, I'm I'm fully selling on Zach Ertz. Rayvon, who are you low on? I was going to go Ertz. I was going to go Ertz. And then I saw that he ran around on 100% of the drop back last week. Yeah, 103% somehow. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You got to – drop backs, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm there. But so I'm going with a guy that's priced $100 below that. And Tyler Higby talked about it last week. Uh, the routes are just not there. Uh 65, 50%, 40%, 56% uh, of the dropbacks has Tyler Higby run a route on. And that's just uh, not enough for me to put him in the same category as, you know, even a Zach Ertz who is struggling um, and, and some of these other guys, you know, as a top five tight end. I have him as my tight end 15 uh, this week. And uh, it's really just comes down to the routes. You know, I, I the, it's a good matchup against Washington. They're number 31 in DVOA against the tight end. So um, he could catch a touchdown or two, but I, I don't think you can rely on a player who um, has, you know, run pretty much half the routes because the most predictive way to project routes going forward is to just look at that last game. And that's going to account for a lot of the variance. And he's right there at 56% last game. So um, low on Higby. All right. One guy I am low on is Logan Thomas. I'm just, I'm giving up the ghost on this situation. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you look at weeks one through four, he has a 20% target share and you think, you know, for a tight end, that is not that bad. But if you start to uh, slice away the number of weeks, that target share just goes down and down. So if you look at weeks two through four, that target share drops to 18. If you look at three and four, that drops to 14. And if you look at what happened in week four only, that target share dropped to nine. And I should just say outside of the numbers, he just looks like he can't play, right? He's, he's not running very fast. He's not nearly as athletic as he you know was years ago at the combine. And he's in an offense that isn't very good. So I'm just totally, uh, totally off of Logan Thomas, which uh, hurts because I'm uh, heavily invested in him in a lot of places. So, uh, but I, I just have to give up the ghost on Log- uh, Logan Thomas. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Sean, give us the prop. Well, considering we haven't uh, talked about Dalton Schultz enough today, <laughs> we, I'm forcing us to talk about him. The over-under for receiving yards at home against the Giants um, is 43 and a half. 
Okay, I just have to say, I feel like you did this to pick on me, knowing that you no, would no. get me, knowing that you <laughs> I, would get me to take some sort of inflated over. But I no. just have to say, I have this exactly at 43 oh, and a nice. half. I was prepared for you to say you have like Dalton Schultz at 75 and a half yards <laughs> based no. on your deck, your deck projection. No, oh yeah. <laughs> no, he's reasonable when it comes to Dal- Dalton Schultz. I think it's all Amari Cooper. That's where the, the yards are yes, going. Yes, that, that is where yeah. it is. No, uh, to, to be fair, the reason I brought this up is, again, somebody with a decent amount of um, Blake Jarwin shares in best ball. Mm. It's frustrating to see how good Dalton Schultz is doing and he looks I mean he looks pretty stiff out there I'm not gonna lie but he's he's become such a reliable threat in the passing game I I do think he's a low-end tight end one just knowing how good Blake Jarwin could have been this offense it's it's kind of frustrating to see to be honest all right so anyway I'm gonna take the under just as a matter of principle and also uh, I feel like it it correlates a a little bit in in some backwards uh, mental way with uh, my my Dak over and uh, my Amari over I'm just assuming that those two guys are going to go off and it's going to benefit only them and everyone else on the Cowboys offense is just going to be left out in the cold so I'm going under Dalton Schultz yeah, I'm going under as well. I have him at 41 yards, so I'm pretty close. But uh, here's the concern. Dallas is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. They're a one-in-three team that's been down a lot. And if you look at Dalton Schultz's numbers, in the first half, he has six catches for 94 yards uh, on nine targets. No touchdowns. Second, ha- second half of games, 19 targets, more than double, uh, 12 catches, 125, and two touchdowns. So he's seen a lot of his – uh, usage come when Dallas is in trail mode in the second half. So I worry that um, even if Dak has a good game, uh, Schultz could be the guy that kind of misses out if, if the Cowboys perform up to expectation. Yeah, I agree here. I'm going to go under as well. And those stats that Chris referenced make sense when you think about playing down multiple scores, the types of defensive coverages that you're going to see. You're going to see things funneled into the middle of the field where the clock can keep running. And that's really where Dalton Schultz has picked up a lot of his production. I don't expect that to be the case this week in terms of the game environment and the game script. Um, So I'll go under on Dalton Schultz. All right, Drew, what content should people check out and establish the run? Yeah, so for for NFL, uh, I've got two big pieces of content that I do each and every week. I have a GPP leverage column that comes out every Friday, uh, usually Friday afternoon, that looks at different GPP situations that I'll be attacking during the week, reviews kind of what we went over in the previous week, and really tries to teach you more how to fish than what the specific plays are, but highlights kind of what those plays would be based on the 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 stands that we're taking. And then I do the Establish the Million show with Mike Leone every Saturday morning. Uh, We record that live. And, you know, we've had a lot of success early in the season in terms of identifying good leverage spots and things to take advantage of. So uh, check us out over at Establish the Run. You can uh, find all of my NFL content there. And, you know, for the last few few days of NBA as well, if you want to check us out, uh, we've got all of our NBA stuff going uh, over at EstablishTheRun.com. All right, be sure to follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Dinkmeyer. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt at the Oracle. You can use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. finished talking.